0: And this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. This is Sci-Fi Talk weekly for January 18th, 2024. This is my episode 82. I look around the internet for news on sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics. And here are today's headlines. A look back at the Golden Globes. Stranger Things Season 5 starts production. There's going to be a Five Nights at Freddy's sequel and Echo has a binge release. Deadline looks back at the Golden Globe winners. No surprise, Oppenheimer won Best Picture, with Killian Murphy, Robert Downey Jr., and Christopher Nolan winning Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor, and Director. A surprise to me was Lily Gladstone winning Best Actress in Killers of the Flower Moon. She is the first Indigenous person to win. In the Cinematic Box Office Achievement Award, Barbie won. It was a cool movie. I really liked it, and it had something to say, too. More at Deadline. Deadline also reports that Stranger Things Season 5 is in production. The Duffer brothers commented, characters are already going to be in action, and they were already going to have a goal and a drive, and I think it's going to carve out at least a couple of hours and make this season feel really different, Matt Duffer said. I'm sure the wrap-up will be a lot longer. It's going to be Return of the King-ish, with like eight endings. More at Deadline. Variety reports that Five Nights at Freddy's sequel is in the works, according to star Josh Hutcherson. I know they're in the process right now of nailing down the story, and they want to get going as soon as possible, he said. Obviously, the fans are amazing and diehard. For me to be a part of it was so cool and phenomenal. And there is more at Deadline as well. There is more sci-fi talk, so stay tuned. Collider reports that they feel that Marvel's Echo has a binge release and that binge-release model may hurt Echo's reception and prevent it from generating the same level of ongoing buzz as other Marvel shows. Collider believes a weekly rollout would give the fans time to get to know the character better. Echo is not as well-known as other Marvel characters. Earlier this month, we lost actor David Soule at the age of 80. As a young actor, he was one of the people of Val, Makora in the Star Trek episode, The Apple. He is also known for playing Hutch on Starsky and Hutch with Paul Michael Glazer. Michael Mann produced the series, and when he created Miami Vice, both men directed episodes. Soul directed No Exit in season one. He also has appeared as an actor in Conjuring 2, Doctor Who, the animated series. Actor, director, and producer. A talented man, and a loss that we all feel. Comic Book Resources explains the Nazgul. Sterling Umbrick writes, In both J.R.R. R. Tolkien's novel and Peter Jackson's film adaptations, Sauron gave the nine magical rings to the race of men. These rings of power corrupted their wearers, thus bending them to Sauron's will and transforming them into invisible undead monsters. Despite their importance in the story, Neither novel or the films offered much information about who the Nazgul used to be. In Jackson's Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, Aragorn said the Nazgul were kings of men before Sauron's rings corrupted them. However, that was not the case in the novel. They must have been somewhat important figures for Sauron to notice them and deem them worthy minions. But Tolkien never specified that they were kings. In the section of the Rings of Power from the Third Age, in the Similarian, Tolkien explained that some of the future Nazgul became kings after receiving their Rings of Power, but not all of them. Those who used the Nine Rings became mighty in their day, kings, sorcerers, and warriors of old. There is more at CBR. Movie Web has the ten best characters from Supernatural. Here's just a few. Charlie Bradbury who was a human tracker and an alias for Celeste Middleton. She eventually was killed for not sharing the Book of the Damned. Charlie connected with fans as she listened to Walking on Sunshine while in an elevator. She's also a fan of science fiction and fantasy. Gabriel, yes, one of the archangels. Though young, he was quite powerful. When Michael and Lucifer turned on each other, he fled to Earth. He made the list because of his sense of humor. Rowena McLeod, a witch that lost her power and wants to reclaim it. She is the mother to Crowley, but not the best mom at that. Her wit is a strong point in her favor. More at Movie Web. CBR has a story that Dave Filoni addresses the passing of Ray Stevenson and his character of Balon Skull. He's a person that survived the Clone Wars, he said. He was trained in the waxing, waning days of the Jedi Knights, just like Anakin. He saw his order, his way of life, fall apart. And he's basically deemed it a failure. That way did not work. That is not something worth resurrecting. He's tried to take these teachings that he learned as a young person and create his own way of being. And he's looked at the cycle of things and said, enough with this. If we have this power, I should wield it. I should be the one making decisions, which a lot of people with power decide the way to go. He's also very certain of what he is doing now is the right thing. Obviously, there's a story there. We're in a wait-and-see pattern at this point, but I'm glad the conversation is about Ray and how great he was. I used to have many debates with him, and I would say, Ray, you're the villain here, and he'd be like, I don't think so. I was like, I know you don't think so, but you are. I love that you're playing it like you're not." Which is exactly the way Baylon thinks. More at CBR. There is more sci-fi talk, so stay tuned. Staying in the Star Wars universe, Screen Rant updates The Mandalorian Season 4. So far, no confirmation on its status. The scripts are done and the cast is waiting for a decision. It looks like most of the core characters will return. Season 3's ending sets up Din Djarin hunting down the Imperial Shadow Cancel and Admiral Thrawn's reappearance. More at Screen Rant. Inverse looks at a forgotten Sith as the Acolyte is set in the waning years of the High Republic, possibly showcasing a key figure in Palpatine's rise to power. Darius Johnson writes, Darth Venomous, another Sith who Tenebrous trained in case, Plagulus fell short of expectations. Like Tenebrous, Venomous was a round-headed alien known as a Bith, which made Plagulus jealous of the dynamic this other princess shared with his master. Darth Venomous may be a random Sith, kicking around Darth Plagius' spotlight novel, but his purpose as a backup could come in handy in The Acolyte. Screen Rant has the Alien Romulus timeline, which takes place between Alien and Aliens, filling in that 56-year gap between both films. So, since Ripley is still in hibernation on the shuttle, she won't figure into the story. Alien Romulus is the next film in this beloved sci-fi series, serving as the third film in the Prometheus series, which is a prequel to the Alien movies. More at Screen Rant. Fanside ranks the Expanse characters, let's start with a few, and Marco Inoris, because we love to hate him, and the fact that he's not your run-of-the-mill bad guy makes him more interesting. Truly a character that mixes things up. Alex Kamel, pilot extraordinaire of the Rosiamante. The article cites that he is a cool friend that everyone would love. He is easygoing, and I love that he keeps his family in his heart always. Listen to my interview coming up with Kaz Anvar, taped in 2018 on Sci-Fi Talk. Naomi Nagata, a smart, tough engineer who always speaks her mind and lets you know where she stands. She tends to decide things on her own, because she knows best. Dominique Tipper brought a lot to the table, playing her, showcasing the character's fire and passion. More at Fansighted. Screen Rant has a story on The Wrath of Khan director Nicholas Meyer, who was not happy with J.J. Abrams' portrayal of Khan in Star Trek Into the Darkness. He said, I love Benedict Cumberbatch, I love Sherlock, and I loved him in Paradise's End. I just thought he was great, but I have to confess, I don't understand these new Star Trek movies. Maybe I just sound like an old fogey or something, but it doesn't seem to do anything with what made Star Trek compelling. I don't think seeing Spock endlessly slugging somebody captures the idea that Spock is a character. It just seems kind of dopey. And you know, Khan is Khan. I don't get how anybody else can be him and not be Ricardo Montalban. So a lot of it, it just didn't track for me. I didn't understand it, and I also don't understand what those movies are about. I understand what Star Trek II is about it's about friendship, old age, it's about death. I understand what Four is about it's an ecological, cautionary tale. And I understand what Six is about. But other than doing all the things people expect in a Star Trek movie, I didn't understand what those movies were about. I think the difference between an homage and a ripoff is that an homage you're supposed to add something. They should try to do something else besides trying to do Star Trek II. This is me now. I know there was a casting problem at first. Benicio del Toro was rumored to play con, but supposedly he dropped out. So Cumberbatch to the rescue. Eh, sort of. Screen Rant has more. Screen Rant has a story on Robert Duncan McNeil who revealed the plan for voicing Nicholas Locarno in Star Trek Lower Decks on the ShuttlePod podcast. Nick Locarno, he's a planet now, by the way. I can talk about it now. I had to keep my lips shut for a year, but I can talk about it. It was a blast. It was a blast. Mike Mahan, the creator and showrunner of Lower Decks, called me a year ago, maybe even more. I can't remember. Actually, he didn't call me. He messaged me and said, I don't know if you're interested, but I got this idea. He didn't even tell me what it was. I got this idea for Lower Decks, and I already had done it. I did a Lower Decks the first season or second season as Tom Paris. Season two did a Tom Paris play thing, which was hilarious. Love that bit. So I've got this idea, and I don't want you to do it unless you agree to do this. I don't want to do it unless you're interested. Call me. So I called him, and he pitched out this thing. We're going to have some sort of a dark side. He pitched this whole idea of some kind of anti-Starfleet mysterious thing, and it would be revealed it's Nick Locarno. In his pitch, I think there could have been more episodes, and they were going to tease In My Voice as a sort of mystery voice, so that the audience might initially think, oh, Tom Paris has gone bad. And when you finally see him, it's Nick Locarno, not Tom Paris. But I think they shrunk the number of episodes, because I think it's hard one to sustain to maybe six or eight episodes, whatever the original idea was to really string it out for a long time. More at Screen Rant. Gene Kuhn is Star Trek's forgotten producer. He was instrumental in creating the Klingons in Errand of Mercy, and not to mention Khan Noonien Singh in Spacey. According to the article, he clashed with Gene Roddenberry on the series' comedic tone. The producer was a prodigy, performing songs on the radio, and then went into broadcasting, eventually serving in the Marines. After the war, he wrote for television, Dragnet, McHale's Navy, and Wagon Train. He was a heavy smoker, dying of lung cancer in 1973 on the official program from my first Star Trek convention I attended in New York City. It was dedicated to him in 1974. Little known fact, he wrote season three episodes of the original series under the name of Lee Cronin. In the 50-year mission of Star Trek book, Robert Justman had this to say, Gene Kuhn was a brilliant find. You couldn't find anyone better. The problem is we wore him out which is why he ultimately left in the middle of the second season. A Star Trek legend in my book. And that is episode 82 for Sci-Fi Talk Weekly for January 18th, 2024. This is Tony Tolado. We'll see you next week.